Welcome back to the Digital Orthopedics Podcast. My name is Dr. Stefano Bini, and I will be your host for this new season, bringing you the best talks from the DocSF Experience 2021. We like to say at DocSF that shiny things don't run themselves. Adoption is hard, change management is probably harder, but it can have great rewards. For our leadership segment, we have asked Dr. Ira Kirschenbaum from the Bronx Lebanon Healthcare System and Chair of Orthopedics there to join us and present a case study for innovation. Case studies help us understand what is possible, the value of tools we might not be familiar with, and the outcomes we can expect if we choose a path and follow it. It's often difficult to make these complex financial decisions during uncertain times in the hope of a long-term return on investment. So we bring you a success story that inspires your own digital journey of transformation. Through determination, leadership, partnership, and digital tech as a backbone for change, a small hospital in the Bronx was able to grow its orthopedic footprint to increase clinical volume 14 times, surgical volume eight times, and revenue 34 times. Curious on how he did it? Let's join Ira on the DocSF 21 virtual stage. I'm Dr. Ira Kirschenbaum. I'm the chairman of orthopedics at Bronx Care Health System. We are the largest not-for-profit, non-governmental hospital in the South Bronx in New York. We service a population of 1.15 million clinic visits in a 955-bed hospital system. 80% of our patients are below the poverty line. Today's case study is about quality and safety and how we have expanded quality and safety based on a digital backbone. That digital foundation has allowed us to decrease costs, increase revenue, increase quality, and increase safety. This program has been ongoing for over a decade. Like any type of program, it starts with a plan. It starts with a vision of where we wanted to take it. We then look at costs, we look at revenue and how we could make it sustainable. We look at the product and we look at our definitions of success. One of the key tenets of our organization is that if we develop solutions for patients, they will lead to safety and certainly lead to satisfaction. We found that a series of internally developed cloud-based database and telehealth applications resulted in incredible opportunities for patient quality and safety and efficiency administratively as well. We use these cloud-based tools, which are database, referral-driven, and telehealth solutions for ED ortho encounters, clinic optimization, shared records, surgical analytics, complete surgery management, treatment follow-up, product cost control, doc-to-doc referrals, insurance collection analysis, pre-surgical optimization, and post-operative visits and readmits. The three major programs that we use, the first is the Trafia platform, which I'll go into at greater length because that is a key backbone of many of our solutions. We use a doctor-to-doctor referral solution called ReferralPad, and we use a customized version of an AMD GDMD telehealth, which allows us to do a variety of things that other telehealth solutions cannot do. 
The Track Via platform is a cloud-based, low-code, multi-user database that is HIPAA compliant, has standard and calculated fields, unlimited filters, search and sorting, custom forms, allows you to import and export in Excel, has unique data analysis and graphical displays, and has an integrated smartphone app. This allows you to do a variety of do-it-yourself databases as well as database solutions. Just as a quick overview, you can see on my administrative dashboard, there are a huge number of clinical and business analytics, including research that I have access to with just a simple click. You can see that there are focused volume and financial programs and views. There's issues related to OR products, as well as a variety of other functions. It would really be impossible for me to overestimate the value of a do-it-yourself type of database. One of the great advantages is that if you can think of it yourself, you could program it. And you don't have to wait until engineers go back and forth with your ideas. Anytime you have a concept, you can program it. I'm going to go through a number of actual ways we use it with custom dashboards and custom questions that we ask that we needed answers to on a regular basis. Keeping track of orthopedic emergency department consults and inpatients. This was a very valuable tool for billing, follow-up, finding patients, improving length of stay, and a variety of other functions. When the first responder to the emergency room was able to put in on their smartphone or on a computer all this information, we were able to know instantaneously that a consult was seen, because this was a cloud-based database, and eventually do analytics on when patients were seen, what time of day, various tracers, various M&M fields, and a variety of other billing functions, as well as these administrative ones. Once these are entered, you can do a variety of views and place them on dashboards for analytics. Here we can see everyone who is on active rounds and multiple services. Additionally, you can do charge capture where this program prevents you from missing any charges on either the ED or the floor. You can get snapshots of what was in the emergency room last seven days, what consults were in the last seven days. So it's a very powerful analytic program to look at ED and inpatient rounds. The next challenge was to digitize surgical flow. This enabled us to prevent cancellations, which increased revenue, make patients satisfied because their surgery was scheduled at the appropriate time, people knew where they were in the process. So what cases are scheduled, where they are in the process, who is not booked yet, who canceled and why, entering surgical coding on the same system, entering product costs, entering Part A, hospital, and Part B, physician, collection data, and entering insurer information all allowed us to get important information concerning how we were going to run the department. This initiative started similar to the one with rounds, where we have a way to enter all the surgical information that's necessary. This was actually outsourced to be entered. 
This is a do-it-yourself complete surgical tracking system enabling the surgical bookers, the surgeons, and administrators to know what's going on at every point in time. Additionally, it has the ability to do equipment, first assistance, as well as billing. So you can see the power of doing it yourself. You can add and take away any fields that you want. An added feature for us was adding a preoperative optimization review based on evidence-based literature. And you can see how we can optimize all the preoperative situations so that the pre-admission testing and the surgeon know the medical and surgical preoperative status. The power of this data entry can be seen with surgeon dashboards. This surgeon can see their pending cases this week, next week, the next 30 days, pending forever. And as they scroll down, their dashboard shows them the cases that have not been booked yet. So they can see the status of where these stand at any given time. They can see all the cases they've ever completed, cases they have not coded yet, and cases that have not been billed. We can take this to a higher view and start doing surgical analytics based on all the cases that have been done with all the surgeons. This is a superb opportunity for chairman, chiefs of service, and administrators to check the status of the department surgically at any given point in time. We can then go higher up and get a view from 30,000 feet and begin to look at combined data over a long period of time to make important decision-making. In this case, you look at each surgeon, how much the anesthesia and procedure time is per procedure. The next slide shows the part A, which is a hospital-based collection by surgeons over a period of time. We even analyze the part A collections by procedure so we can understand how much we could afford for products or equipment to support a certain procedure based on its income. Additionally, as we enter insurance information, we can see the distribution of every insurer real-time on how they are impacting the revenue of the department. Further, we can look very carefully on a week-by-week -week basis what's going on each particular day of the week and begin to make serious decisions concerning block time, allocation of resources, personnel, and other important aspects. Additionally, we could compare revenue over time so we can look at how much is being collected per minute in the OR relative to the cost per minute in the OR. So you can see the tremendous power of the data as you begin to collect it from the ground up. I'm now going to go into another part of our information technology usage based on a do-it-yourself referral management system that allowed other doctors to refer directly into our practice. We developed a homegrown system called ReferralPad. We give a password to a referral doctor, and that doctor has spots available in our schedule that are reserved for him or for her. And I'll show you an example of how this actually works. When the provider logs in, they get to see all the available orthopedic providers. 
If, for example, they were going to choose me, they're shown a schedule of available appointments. Now, as you can see by this example, they simply click on the date, the time, they continue, and they enter some basic demographics about the patient. They, we really insist they get an email. You could write none in that position, a phone number so we can call them back, but they are actually getting an, a specific date and time to see me in the appointment. This is extremely powerful for urgent care centers that want to refer to us, athletic trainers, as well as other clinics in the Bronx. You can see here's the appointment and they can add it to their iCalendar or Google Calendar. In this final section, I will discuss how we have leveraged a customized version of a telehealth program to the benefits of our patients, the department, and the hospital. This was completed with a partnership between Bronx Care Health System, AMD Global Telemedicine, and GeneMD. On the surface, it seems like a regular telehealth program, but it has a number of key features. First of all, we can bring in language interpreters. Second, we can schedule patients in advance with multiple reminders being sent. And third, we have developed a virtual urgent care, which is a very powerful method to have patients reach providers, especially on an urgent basis. We have already taken on four key initiatives in telehealth. One is preoperative preparation education visit. This prevents cancellations and educates the patients for the hospital stay. The second, we developed an inpatient discharge clinic. This, we believe, will prevent emergency department visits and readmissions postoperatively as patients are called within the first five days of discharge. We also instituted a post-injection satisfaction evaluation. One way this prevents delays in care is that we know for various injections, we bring the patient back, let's say, three months later. But if we can do telehealth visits at two weeks, four weeks, and eight weeks, we can find out whether or not the injection was helpful for the patient. And if not, we can get them in sooner to progress their treatment plan. And the final initiative, when patients are no-shows in clinic, we call them up and we have a telehealth appointment that day, so we capture missed appointments, which could be very valuable for the patient's care. An exciting new patient quality, as well as revenue generating project that we're working on is a virtual urgent care. Too many times patients are waiting, even in urgent cares, for a situation where they don't need to be seen in person necessarily. We would rather see this picture than the previous one in urgent cares. We have begun working with the company VUnite to develop a front-end interface for our back-end telehealth that allows patients to go into a virtual telehealth room where they can check in, they could have an educational library of all kinds of materials they could read, they could learn about our providers, they could enter when their appointment comes in, and they could contact us at any time. Additionally, there could be a welcome video, as well as other things in this virtual lounge. I want to thank you for listening to this 
and I'd like to spend a few minutes summing up. For many of you, you're going to have a choice, like in the movies, the red pill or the blue pill. And whether you choose to stay how you are or to innovate using information technology is going to be your choice. At one point in time, you're going to make a decision to go through a door. And that door is a door of innovation related to information technology, which is the focus of this conference today. I want to mention that it is important to keep in mind that we follow some very basic business principles in process management. Process management includes upstream, midstream, and downstream. Upstream is the acquisition of something. Midstream is the processing or refinery of it. And downstream is what you do with the final product. For us, our information technology systems allowed us to get new information, new patients, and new ways of looking at things. We were able to process it using business intelligence, high-end database informatics, as well as leveraging various new ways of looking at telehealth. All this combined allowed us to increase our quality, increase our safety, decrease our cost, and increase our revenue. All this allows us to deliver more care to a very vibrant and diverse community. Well, if I had a hat, I'd say hats off to you. I should have thought about that as a gig. That was an amazing expose, if you will, about your experience at Bronx. And, you know, the reason we asked you to do that is because we had asked you to do a five-minute presentation about this, uh, which would happen on Saturday, but realized that your experience is so much deeper than that. And at DocSF, we want to show people what's possible. And you did that for us. You showed us exactly how you played that out and the way you play out. And I have tons of questions. I'm going to start out with one that relates to our common experience. Although first, thanks for being here. Thank you. It's my pleasure and honor. So you both spent quite some time at Kaiser Permanente. And how did that experience influence the way you approached the challenges you faced when you got to the Bronx, then Bronx Lebanon hospital system? Yeah. So it was a huge influence on my orthopedic career. I had two great influences, Kaiser Permanente and the Rothman Institute, where I trained. And Dick Rothman, Bob Booth, and Bill Hozak were my attendings at the time. So it was uh, quite a place. But Kaiser Permanente itself continues to have a a great influence on what we do. Uh, We are a closed urban population in the South Bronx. So no one really leaves the South Bronx for their care, and no one comes into the South Bronx for their care. So in a sense, we're an urban Kaiser Permanente. You know, we have our own patients, our own hospital, our own pharmacy, our own physical therapy. We were even at risk for 25% of our patients. And so I focused a lot on the concepts that I learned that Kaiser of best practices, tell your story, get everybody involved, performance improvement, performance improvement, performance improvement, get data, act on the data. These were Kaiser principles I learned. And I have to say, I, I, I think I, if there's one I didn't apply, tell me about it and I'll apply it tomorrow. <laughs> so true. No, I think that's exceptional. I think another thing you, we should talk about is a, is a patient population you serve. A lot of folks feel that they need to, to be working in an environment where everybody has the latest version iPhone, super connected to the web for technology to function 
but they think of it most as outgoing tech. In reality, you can show that technology is internally facing as much as externally facing. So let's talk a little bit about that. What is your experience about the need for an external infrastructure to support an internal digital strategy? Well, you know, first of all, what was amazing was I couldn't, and I mentioned this in the talk, you can buy a lot of products from people, but nothing really replaces you buying something that is modifiable by you. Because if then you could think of an initiative and that initiative you could program yourself without going through 2,700 meetings. We found that the biggest problem with the population is not the fact that they don't have phones, but it's phone lit- what I call phone literacy. So many, we even tested this out on our recent telehealth that I sat there with 30 consecutive patients of mine and I signed them up to the telehealth and they looked at, they didn't know to put their name in by clicking. If they click the the rectangular box, that's where they put their name in. We're learning a lot about how to overcome phone literacy. Okay. And we're keeping it quite simple. And that's one thing. The other thing is, is we really try to capture as much actionable data as possible. I know you're going to ask me questions possibly about the finances, which are so important because we are a, we are a not-for-profit, non-governmental hospital. So we essentially are private, but not-for-profit. So we don't, we're not on anyone's budget. We're not on the city budget, the county budget. You know? So if, if we don't pay our uh, electric bills, we don't get electricity. So to service a community well, you have to make money to stay in business. Okay. And we've funneled so much money back into infrastructure. I mean, just on a clinical side, I think we may be the only safety net hospital that has a make a robot. Okay. How did we do that? Through some negotiation and other things. But we also, this IT infrastructure, whether it's the doc to doc, we had a problem that doctors in the community couldn't get appointments. So we developed a doctor to doctor referral program. That's not a commercial program. It looks like a commercial program, but it's, but it's our web program. And now the clinic docs and the local urgent cares have appointments separated for them. So we're always solution-oriented. And you have to know what the limitations of the people who are using your technology so I want to get two more questions. I think you answered, you were, you were going that direction. So you're, you're a not-for-profit private hospital in a very poorly funded environment. You got there, you had to make a pitch to administration that didn't have any money to make an investment mm-hmm. that was going to take a while to play out. So A, how'd you make that pitch? And B, how did you, how long did it take before you showed an outcome because yeah. people need to understand these things don't happen overnight. And just be so you know, there's a question here that people want to ask, which is security. How did you maintain data privacy in, as you're developing your own stuff? So those two oh, questions. Oh, okay. Sure. I, I'm not going to joke around and say privacy smile machine. It's a <laughs> I'll answer the privacy question afterwards. Uh, yeah, please. Um, when I got there, they recruited me because they saw that I built the department at Kaiser and I also built out a very successful concierge kind of practice from nothing. And so when the uh, chairman of medicine, the physician chief recruited me, he says, we just need an innovative guy who's not afraid to build. Okay. I said, well, if that's the case, this is what I need. And I gave them a laundry list as far as 
funds for in, for IT infrastructure, funds to hire certain attendings. And the way I did it, I went at risk. I said, I will promise you in three years this much revenue. How did I know that? I, I already had data on collections. And so in a way, I made a good relationship with administration where they were going to go at risk for me, but I was going to go at risk the other way. Because if I didn't promise, I'd have to pay back certain bonuses and certain other things. It took us, we're in our 14th year, it took us four years. I liken it when we got there, I felt the orthopedic department was, had some contract surgeons. They weren't really full-time engaged. And now we have a completely new department. There were three of them part-time. They did about 200 operations a year. We now do 2,500 a year. Did 3,500 clinic visits a year. We now do 50,000 clinic visits a year in orthopedics. And we also service the musculoskeletal for a 1.1 million patient clinic population. So we have 14 orthopedic surgeons I grew to, okay, full-time servicing. So it starts with that. The infrastructure was started with TrackVia, which is on an Amazon Web Service HIPAA-compliant environment. I had an outside consultancy group, an outside cybersecurity group come in and do an independent review of the security. They gave us very high marks. So we're living in a, this could be at least for, until someone hacks us at the end of this <laughs> session, a very high level area. And just to give some raw numbers, I mean, we went from about one to two million in gross revenue in orthopedics to generating between 35 and 50 million a year for the hospital system. And that, that pays some bills for people, but it also shows that we service the community. And the, and the thing we're most proud of is that IT infrastructure has allowed us to offer care to 600,000 more encounters that were done in our time that wouldn't have been done if we weren't there. So 600,000 encounters were done in the time period when the previous 10 years, 45,000 were done. And that's what we're most proud of. Yeah, you know? they should be proud of it. That's, that's yeah. outstanding. So you managed to do that and keep all the security going. The timeline, four years. I think it's important people keep in mind these oh, things yeah. don't happen overnight. You have to collect the data upon which you then have to make decisions. And so it just takes a while to, it just takes a bit. I want to give you a couple of minutes to talk about a passion project of yours, because this, this is one of mine, this important, which is the Journal of Orthopedic Experience Innovation. Why did you start it? You're the head editor. Tell us a bit about that. So literally about 10 years ago, I started the journal a year ago, but 10 years ago, I said to myself, God, I'm really missing articles that talk about people's experience and people talking about their experience with new innovation." Because don't get me wrong, I totally respect every journal in orthopedics. You know, I, I may not understand bivariate analysis too well, but I'm going to tell you it's important. But what was missing for me was some of the old time articles, but they didn't belong anymore in maybe JVJS. So I came up with an idea of the journal of experience and I didn't sit on it until some technology became available to put it on. And I found a good platform to put it on. And we publish, we started a year ago. We are now in a year and a month in, and we have 42,000 page views, 26,000 article views, and 2,500 unique visitors a month visit. We're completely open access. Where I say complete, no article processing fees to the authors, no submission fees to the authors, 
no subscription. How do it's I a whole new model. It's a whole it's new a whole model. model. <laughs> yeah. How do you pay for it? I, I pay for it. <laughs> we are starting journal clubs and so we're getting some sponsors from the journal clubs and we break even. But it's been a wonderful experience. I, I started, I thought it was just going to be, you know, a little pet project and it's, and it's grown nicely. So thanks for asking about it. No, I think it's uh, due. I think there's an avenue and a need for that. I can announce here that we're, we're going to be launching DocSF Science because similarly, there isn't a place for us to interested in the space to talk about the basic science around sensors and algorithms or what have you that's coming out that's gathered in one place of focus on orthopedic outputs or outputs that could impact orthopedics in one place. And so we'll you'll look for that. Uh, Fabrizio Billy and I will be promoting that soon. So great. Listen, I want to just thank you so much for being with us. It was an exceptional tour de force through an extraordinary career in uh, implementation. We could probably talk hours about it. And if anyone wants to reach you, they can do that at... At my, my email? Uh, whatever you like. Could be LinkedIn. I'll take my email. Kersh at bronxcare.org. I-K-I-R-S-C-H at bronxcare.org. Fantastic. Anyone can reach me. I actually read my emails. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and, and get back to people. Super. To people. So <laughs> thank you so much, Ira. We really appreciate it. On behalf of all of us at DocSF, the Digital Orthopedics Conference in San Francisco, thanks for listening and for joining our community. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review and tell your friends. If you're interested in joining our team, participating, or being interviewed on DocSF, please let us know. If not, please join the revolution and listen up for our next podcast.